This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Liquid Amber Tattoo and Art Collective. Liquid Amber provides custom and cosmetic tattoos alongside a curated art gallery dedicated to celebrating local artists. And their monthly art socials are becoming a can't-miss event in the Vancouver cultural scene. Discover more at liquidambertattoo.com. And stay tuned to learn more about Liquid Amber's call for submissions for a film industry art showcase coming in 2020. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. I am your host, Sabrina Furminger. My mission is to pull back the curtain on Vancouver's film and television industry and expose its beating heart, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom style, by getting deep and down and little dirty with the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. Today, we welcome Maya Aro to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Maya Aro might be the closest thing to Wonder Woman we've ever had in the studio. Maya is an in-demand stunt performer and stunt coordinator whose credit list includes box office blockbusters, network television, and indie fair. She's flown through the air. She's crashed through windows. She's battled aliens and monsters with fire and swords and guns and bows and arrows and honestly has had the best time doing all of it. Like I said, real life Wonder Woman. Maya was a stunt artist and stunt coordinator on ABC's hit fantasy series Once Upon a Time and Amazon Prime's delicious dystopian epic because dystopian epics can be delicious, The Man in the High Castle. And she recently served as stunt coordinator on A Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting, a Netflix production that was helmed by legendary tank girl and Doctor Who director Rachel Talalay. Maya's been nominated for a Taurus World Stunt Award, a UBCP Actor Awards, multiple Leo Awards, and in 2017, she won the Innovation Spotlight Award from Women in Film and Television Vancouver. And in recent years, while Maya has been stunt coordinating and stunt performing all over the place, she's also been developing her voice as a filmmaker. Maya's first solo film was Hoods, which won the MPA Short Film Competition at Whistler 2015. Hoods placed iconic characters like Little Red Riding Hood and Robin Hood, hence the title Hoods, in a dark, gritty diesel punk alternate 1940s fantasy world and it won maya the award for best director at the 2017 artemis film festival and hoods was only the beginning maya is also a fashion designer a graphic novelist a mentor a great friend and i say that last one from personal experience and with her husband fellow stunt coordinator and performer jeff aro maya loves to play in the snow, on mountains, on dirt bikes, and on horseback, and upside down and sideways. So today we'll go deep with Maya Aro and attempt to understand the psychology of a real-life Wonder Woman. Maya Aro. 
Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thanks for having me on. Finally. Very, very excited to be here. The first time I met you... It was in a coffee shop. It was in the coffee shop. I had heard about you already because of my own connections to the stunt community through my late great friend Darren Shalavi, uh, <laughs> who we do talk about quite a bit on this podcast. But he really was the one who kind of showed me, gave me a picture into the world of filmmaking and of stunts. But when I so that first time I met you, you were so fashionable, <laughs> and you looked so and and then you started showing me your scars. Do you remember that? Yes, you're I like because we were talking about <laughs> um, a, a, the, a nomination or award. Was it, you you had been nominated for a Taurus award? Taurus award, yeah. Yeah, and you're like yeah. I and you're just like and I got this scar and I got this scar. But you were <laughs> and you're like I got this one going through a window and and I remember thinking like. This is the coolest human being I've ever met. And is she insane? Like, this bit. is... <laughs> I think you have to be a little bit insane to do stunts. There's a, there's a little switch that, that we have turned off, I think. I think what's also so cool about the the difference between then, which that must have been, what, like 2014, maybe? I think so, yeah. And now is just how how... How much I don't know if you've changed or how those of us who've been following your career have changed. And that you know, in that time, you've become filmmaker. You become mm -hmm. that creator of universes. So now, how do you describe yourself? How do you think about yourself? That's a very tough question. I don't. Yes, right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> You're like, do you have a plate glass window that I can jump <laughs> yeah. through instead of can acting? I just go jump off the building. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know how I'd describe myself. I think I think I'm definitely an artist at heart. Yeah. And that would be the most basic description I could give of myself. I'm an artist through and through. Yeah. That's yeah. that is definitely how I see you. But I don't know many artists who do the things that you do. I'm a performance artist sometimes. <laughs> okay. And so, you a performance artist who wears the scars of her work in her body. Yeah. Yeah. But scars are souvenirs that you get to keep forever, right? I <laughs> it's my favorite line in a Goo Goo Dolls song. That is... Scars are souvenirs you never lose. I wonder how many people use that line from that song to justify their career <laughs> stunts to their to their families. Okay, let's let's go back in time because I want to, I mean, in my time knowing you, I have spent time talking to your parents. So I've heard a little bit about, <laughs> you know, itty bitty little Maya Aro and how precocious you were and or how I think your, your mom tells a lot of stories about um, what a storyteller you were. So t tell me. Yeah, I think I've always had a very vivid imagination. Unfortunately, I didn't lose that as an adult. <laughs> um, so I've always, I've always dreamed up things. I've always written things down, and I've always wanted to create. Yeah, I just didn't know that it was a thing I could actually do. Yeah, as a, as a job, I just did it because I liked doing it. Yeah, tell me about some of those early stories that you created then when you're a little kid running around. You grew up in the in in uh, where in the I, interior? Yeah, I grew up in one fifty mile house, which is. 150 miles north of the uh, furthest the, the boats would go up the Fraser River mm -hmm. for the gold rush so it's kind of timed out um, so yeah really small town so lots of creativity in the woods so I used to build forts and I think the first thing I ever wrote was a book about a goose <laughs> if I can remember that wow. my mom's friend actually helped me illustrate it and I did this whole because she used to look after me sometimes because my mom was a teacher so I'd stay with her after school and I made this whole book about a little goose 
I'm sure my mom still has it. Was it what kind of goose was it? Was it an ass kicking goose? Was no, it a powerful goose? No, I don't think it was. I guess I, I wonder because <laughs> like, I associate I associate you with with power and with and and maybe like that's where like I find something very like I don't say amusing about our friendship because in a lot of ways, <laughs> but like you you empower me in a lot of ways. But it's like I am. I mean, I went on a hike recently with Sharon Taylor I that I was that. documenting on social media, and I whined the whole time. She got video. It was, but like, <laughs> I am. Photos looked great. Yeah, the photos looked great. <laughs> the video, great. I was whining. I'm like, you're gonna get a great video of me falling to my death, you know? But like, you are like, I think of, I think of you. You live a life that's so different to mine in a lot of ways because the way that you 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 own your femininity and like I, I think mine for a long time was rooted in a lot of fear and I see you as right. somebody who has a certain kind of fearlessness I, I think yeah I definitely don't have a high level of fear of things um, but I do love being a woman I do embrace that like yeah. I I hate the term tomboy for yeah. one like I'm not I would never describe myself as that although most people probably would yeah I, I don't like that term. I I just I'm a woman that does womanly things, and you get to we, decide what yeah. being a woman is. You know, I, mean, I think especially now. I mean, I'm I'm pregnant right now. I think looking forward to giving birth and all of that. I mean, that's one of the most extreme physical things you can do, and only women get to do it. Yeah. So I think you know that strong power that women have. It's it's always in us. Okay, and I, I, I guess I take some some reassurance in the fact that I did endure a 38-hour labor <laughs> yeah, and a kid who was 10 days late. Right? So that is something that I've done that's, that I didn't completely wind my way through. Yeah, that's a strong, powerful <laughs> thing that only women can and get to do. Now, when you were, when you were a little girl writing about geese, or <laughs> sorry, one goose, and building forts, did you, did you... D- did you consider yourself to be strong? Like, what 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 kind of kid were you in that respect? I don't know if I considered myself to be strong, but I know, I mean, my parents never discouraged any of my creative pursuits or any of the things that I wanted to do. I was just more of, if I wanted to do it, I'd have to work to, mm. you know, be able to make the money for it because it's not my family didn't have a lot of money. Um, so it was, it was always a, a work benefit reward system. So I think that taught me. A lot of things yeah but I think it was also that it was just never discouraged so I never thought that it was strange yeah or weird or different so I always had a confidence like my parents always I think I, I had a loving home too so I think when you have that you can be a confident kid yeah now what did you dream about pursuing then when you when you grew up like you <laughs> know because you be a doctor <laughs> a surgeon in fact I really wanted to be a surgeon I mean, I believe that you can do anything. <laughs> I'm sure you could still do that. You wanted to be a surgeon. I, I wonder what I what fed that idea. What do you, where do you think that came from? I was fascinated by biology and like, you know, exploring the body and exploring, you know, animals. And like, I was really fascinated by biology and I loved dissecting things. And I know that's probably really gross, but I did. I loved, yeah. I loved that. And I always wanted to be a brain surgeon. Wow. <laughs> Super random. But well, then I realized I had to go to school. We contain like multitudes, years. especially you. <laughs> oh, you don't want to because you had to go to school <laughs> yeah. for eight years? That it's is the only hilarious. reason I'm not a brain surgeon right now. Because <laughs> I did not want to spend eight years in a facility. 
going to school. I wonder though, like that desire to understand how bodies work and and the intricacies of how things, you know, come together. Like how that has bled into your work in some way. You know, like maybe you might not be doing actual surgery, surgery on a brain you know but you're still you're still you know uh, having to think about how the body works Completely. and and putting things together because if you if you mess up especially with stunts someone gets hurt somebody will need a brain surgeon exactly yeah <laughs> I mean, in a way as a stunt coordinator especially you do have to understand people's brains and everyone's wired slightly differently and it's my job to coach people through and help people be able to perform the stunts or you know get an actor to do the little piece the actor's going to do yeah and so i do have to understand people's brains and how they work and how they learn because everyone learns differently you can't teach everyone the same in the same method because they're just not going to be able to achieve it all the time wow you already have such an advantage or or to so (laughs) many people who are pregnant right because like that is just like you are you are prepared to be a parent because honestly like trying to figure out the psychology of somebody who in a lot of ways just does not want to listen well and most people want to listen it's just you could tell you could tell people the same thing and not everyone's going to process it the same way i could show someone how to do something the exact same way and not everyone's going to get it unless i show them the way that makes sense to them so you have to understand people's learning styles to be able to teach them the right way yeah i think i said the whole just not want to listen thing because i did have (laughs) some issues with my kid this morning trying to get her out the Some door. People don't want to listen, but yeah. You know, for the most part, people eight that year are olds there. on a Monday after a fun weekend do not want to listen Fair at enough. all. Um, okay, so I and this is the thing I know to. a little bit. Okay, so much to look forward to, and you have such a community of people that you can you can call upon. Although you between you and Jeff, you got it well, figured I've out. Got a lot of people that have done this before me, so I do have a lot of awesome people I can. Yeah, ask. a few, uh, uh, one or two generations of no. I mean, the, the cool thing is, you know, that like we are the latest iteration of our ancestors right you know and we carry their blood memory you know in us too so we have generations and generations like it's imprinted on us but okay so this is one of these questions where it's like I kind of know the answer because I've spoken to you so many times but like because I know that like you did not immediately like graduate high school and be like I'm going into stunts so tell us about the this what I know is a circuitous path from from teen years to the stunt world yeah I mean when I was in high school, I, I grew up in a small town. I, I had no idea stunts was even a job. Even when I moved to Vancouver, I moved to Vancouver to go to fashion design school because that was what fashion I, design <laughs> school. I love that. That's what I decided I was going to do. <laughs> but I was also a competitive athlete. Um, I'd also realized at that time that there was no way I could make a career out of being a professional athlete in Canada. Hmm. Or so I thought. I thought I could not make a career out of being a professional athlete because most competitive sports. There's no money for women. No money, yeah. For, it's always harder for women to get sponsors. In Canada so. anyways, but for women especially, like I'd be winning events and not covering my entry fee with what I won. And you're like, okay, <laughs> how do I do this? And no one wants to sponsor women either. Like I, there'd be, be like, oh, we'll give you grassroots. You can get 30% off stuff, but which helped, was awesome, helped. But no one will f- would full out sponsor a woman at that time. Um, so I was like, well, I'll go to fashion design school. I love that. I love being an artist. I'll have my own fashion line. It'll be amazing. And I'll do sports on the weekend. And I'll just, it'll be a hobby, not a, not a career. Um, and then I ended up having a really bad mountain bike crash. And I, I what did I do? I split my liver. 
broke a bunch of ribs, broke a bunch of things. I didn't even know you could split <clears throat> a liver. You could split your liver if you smash it hard enough. Okay. Um, really disclaimer to everybody <laughs> listening: Please don't try to smash your don't liver. Smash your yeah, liver. it's not fun. You have to go to critical care and stay there for like a week. It's not very much fun, um, and you feel kind of fine. Like I didn't even feel it. I didn't. I felt fine, but I had massive internal bleeding, so I had to go hang out in critical care for a week. And then the recovery sucks because when your body's reabsorbing all of the blood from your torso. It's probably the most painful thing in the world. But you look fine, you look normal. Everyone, you know, I'd be sitting in the handicap seat on the bus and people would glare at me. I'm like, no, I just came out of critical care. I smashed my liver. <laughs> yeah, like, I can't get bumped, I can't get bumped. I can't get jostled around. I look like a perfectly healthy 20 year old, but I can't get bumped. No one can see my face except for <laughs> you right now, but I'm just like, I mean, cause okay, I, I we will get back to your origin story to go into stunts, but I think like what what kind of sh- like surprises me is like when something bad happens to me, and I would just consider if I were to smash my liver, that would be a bad thing. It's pretty bad. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Like I don't want to do that thing again, or I have a lot of issues or fear around it. Like <laughs> either it's PTSD, or I'm like I have a lot more wariness and I'm, I'm, I'm saying that as somebody who's not smashed her liver but has had traumatic things happen you know and that you are somebody who wears your scars like souvenirs you've clearly done these things again like what is that kind of the psychology that or the kind of the head game that you need to have or the mindset you need to have in order to continue as a stunt performer I mean I think the enjoyment factor is outweighs the risk and the danger now I gotta ask so though: like, is the is the fear and or, or is the risk and the danger part of the enjoyment factor at all? The no, fact that it is I dangerous. I wouldn't say I'm like you know I wouldn't describe myself as an adrenaline junkie or anything like that either. So I don't know if that's part of the. I think it's just it. It's just enjoyable. Like I I enjoy. I, I think it goes back to like really being fascinated with the human body. I enjoy seeing what the human body can do. And yeah. I enjoy pushing my body to see what I can do. And I enjoy, you know, when you think about, you know, some of the stunts, you're like, well, I've never really quite done that before, but I think if I did this, it would work out. And then it works out, and you're like, oh, yeah, sweet. Yeah. Okay. Like, that's, I think that's the enjoyment factor out of yeah. it, is like, I think I can push my body hard and do this, and I think I could do this. So despite the fact, so even after going through a trauma, I mean, because these are traumas, right? You get hurt. I mean, yeah. even if it's not, may- maybe not, you don't, it doesn't manifest <laughs> doesn't as a psychological. <laughs> well, it might not, like maybe if for you, it doesn't manifest like psychologically, but your, like, but your body, you know, it's a trauma on your body. Like you, it doesn't prevent you from still being excited and still, you know, no. I'm deaf. And like, honestly, you can, you can feel me. Like I am <laughs> like, like completely, <laughs> I am completely like just, um, I am projecting my own kind of, you know, fears and stuff. But I guess also I have not for most of my life had a good relationship with my body anyways. Yeah, you know, I think so, for me, I kind of, I've always have. Yeah. Um, I've been fortunate that I have it. And I think that's a lot for my parents. Like they never, nothing, there was another, never anything to be ashamed of. Yeah. And, and nothing that I did that was to be ashamed of um, in that regards. So I, I think I've always had fairly good body image and and again I think it's that also weird fascination I have with understanding the human body that's always pushed me to 
want to understand and know it more. Yeah. Even if it's not doing brain surgery. Yeah. Is that, <laughs> is that okay? Let, I'm going to put a pin in talking about the psychology of stunt performance for a second. Okay, so. Because it'll never figure us out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. I keep no, having good, you guys good, in here to try to figure y'all out. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, I feel like I'm, I this is going to be a lifelong uh, study, it's you a, know, I think. But I like, I, I mean, looking at you and at, at Jeff and, you know, so many others, there's definitely a sense of play, you mm. know. There's like kind of like being a big kid thing. There's also like a lack of a certain kind of ego, you know, as well, especially with this, like this stuff, because you don't, you, it, it's not as important for you to have your face seen or you have no. your voice heard in that kind of way, right? You know, so like I just, no, I, I, at what, some point in the future, I will be writing a dissertation about the psychology <laughs> of sense. You know, I, so I look forward to this book. Yes, well, <laughs> uh, it will be dedicated to, to you. <laughs> to the stunt For sure, writers. yes. No, specifically to you. Uh, and um, yeah, okay, so, the you have the accident mm -hmm. and uh, you're you're in fashion school how do we go from there to i just graduated fashion school went to other yeah i graduated just graduated fashion school when i had the accident so i was like crap what do i what can what can i do i was working at a bar part time and you know starting my fashion career i was like what what could i do and i was flipping through the newspaper cuz it was the internet existed, but it wasn't as common to just Google stuff. Yeah. Back then. So I was flipping through the newspaper looking for job ads. Licking your fingers as you <laughs> turn the pages. The thing we yeah. did back then. <laughs> <laughs> and I found uh, there was one that was looking for background performers in the movie industry. And I was like, I feel like I could do that because I feel like you're just kind of, you know, you're walking around. It's like no one's going to bump me. And, you know, because even waitressing, I'm like, I'm still getting bumped. So I was like, oh, I could probably do that. Yeah. So I sent my called the place and was like I want to do that and uh, the next week I was on a movie set really what movie um it was <laughs> some Matthew McConaughey thing Fuck. what was it two for the money I don't even know that one it was very obscure and I think I watched it because it was like the first thing I ever did back yeah on, but two I was for so the money to be so there. yeah what do you remember about that first time on set I just remember we were filming at the airport and I think because I was so eager to be there and wasn't like a normal background person that you know head down and just follows I was like oh my god I'm on a movie set this is so cool that <laughs> um, they put me in so many scenes that it doesn't make sense because you see me walking this way and this way and I'm standing beside the, all the leads and I'm like somebody wasn't paying attention to continuity but I didn't know that that was a thing I am totally gonna watch this movie now <laughs> I like uh, don't know if it's on Netflix scene. oh that's great I'm, I'm like I'm background but it was very funny that was my first film and tv experience Wow. Um, so did you feel then, like, did that light a fire in you? Well, I just I just thought it was really cool, and I didn't realize that you could actually work on a movie set. I yeah. had no idea. And it, and I don't think I wanted to work on the movie set for the sake of working on a movie set, but I think it was just like, oh, wow, this is I could actually do this. And uh, um, one of the next things I worked on, I can't even remember, it was one of the... one of the bigger action-y ones, and it just so happened to be a big stunt scene. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my god that guy just got like pulled through this huge big sign and it exploded and I was like that's so cool and some of the other guys that were kind of doing background they were like aspiring stunt performers yeah and I just so happened to start talking to them and I was like really that's what you guys are that's what you guys are doing 
I was like, <laughs> it's like, how do you do that? You know what I love the how idea of watching this that? whatever action movie. What do you remember? What movie it was? No, I don't. I, I'd have to look in the t- timing in the dates so as to yeah. like, what was filming that. I just love the idea. Like it's a serious scene where people are dying, <laughs> and then there's like one young woman with her like big smile, eyes wide, like watching it all happen. Yeah. That's 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 a great origin story, and I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. So that's what inspired me, and then I I sort of. By fluke, because I still didn't have any idea how to pursue it, by fluke, a bunch of those aspiring stunt performers, maybe like a month later, came into the bar where I worked. Uh. So it was kind of like fate. And I happened to serve their table. And they were like, oh, hey, we had a background with you. Now, are any of those aspiring stunt performers ones that I that myself and my listeners would be familiar with? Um, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're all most. I think most of that gang is working stunt performers these days. Yeah. Now, am I correct in assuming that most of that gang were male? Yes. As they were well. All male. Yeah. So, what kind of so as a woman entering the the industry, then what were some of the things that that were? Uh, I mean, because you also described that you had gone in through the competitive sports, and like it was a different situation for women, especially totally. as far as the the sponsorship and and the future goes. Like, what when you entered, what was the situation for for female stunt performers? Um, I mean, I don't even know how to answer that question. The situation, I mean, so there were there were fewer. Diff- there was fewer. There's yeah. a lot fewer women. There was fewer parts for women. I was yeah. mostly just mostly doubling and some ND stuff. Um, but yeah, there was a lot fewer women. Yeah. So in that, uh, so I don't know. It was it was different. And were you as a woman doing a, a lot different things than what the dudes were doing? No, no. I mean, it all depends on the story and and which which show you're on and what what the scripted action is. Yeah. So that's a thing that. No, you're not necessarily doing different things. You're wearing less clothes. Yeah. A lot less clothes. <laughs> well, I think, like, okay, I'm actually, I'm curious to know about how things have changed, though. You know, because I know that, especially in recent years, there have been some incredible uh, female-driven, empowered women. Like, you know, my, uh, like, even once upon a time, you know, the stuff that Most you were doing the, on that show. Women, yeah. yeah, it was a f- women-driven, women heroes and women villains. And mm-hmm. it, w- it was very powerful in that way, you know. But, like, in the time that, you know, you've been, have you noticed a change? Big change. Yeah. Yeah, especially in the last couple of years. And really, in the last year as a coordinator, especially, I've noticed a massive change. Okay, tell me what, what the change The biggest change is that I am specifically getting called because I'm a woman. I'm getting hired because I'm a woman, because shows are realizing that they have a lot of female leads. If they have young girls or kids, that a female stunt coordinator is a stronger choice for them. Wow. Um, so that's probably the biggest change I've noticed is that I'm not walking into a room and being like, oh, you're our stunt coordinator? They're saying, we want you to be our stunt coordinator. Yeah. That's the biggest change I've noticed, which is really cool. That's a, that is incredible so to I know. I keep telling people, I'm like, no, 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 things are changing because that's coming from the producers. Yeah. Like, they're making that choice and they're making a conscious choice to source someone like me out. Which yeah. is, has never, like, that's never happened in the history of film. That's happened in the last year. That I mean, and that's very reassuring to know as well. And what that tells me, too, is that it's not just... Um, 
it's not just oh we're gonna just like try to make the audience happy by just having like some adding more women or adding more people of color no. if they're adding people behind this like behind the camera as well to yeah. all different levels of production and having the diversity there then we will get lasting change totally and they're not just hiring you to be the token woman either they're hiring you because it makes sense yeah you know, the, the film i just completed babysitter's guide our two leads are teenage girls. Yeah. And that was one where, yeah, they were like, we want a female stunt coordinator. It's just going to make sense. Yeah. And, you know, these girls are going to be able to look up to you and see you do stuff and, you know, be able to do it themselves, to have that confidence. They're not just watching a guy do it. They're like, oh, this woman can do it. I could do that. Yeah. And what that I was their whole point in wanting to have a female stunt coordinator. No, what was the first job that you did where you felt like really confident and fulfilled as a stunt artist? Hmm. Hmm. Well, I mean, the first few years of your career, your people are sort of just testing you. and Yeah. Especially back then. Like, now people are getting in a lot uh, qu quicker because there's just such a huge demand for performers. Yeah. But uh, back when I was starting, it was, it was a little bit of a slower process, which was awesome because it gave me time to train and actually get better at things. Slower so process to get hired or to, like, yeah. to quote-unquote break in yeah, to that part of the industry? Yeah, to break in to be, yeah. you know, an actual stunt performer where you're not just work getting a day here and a day there. You're actually a stunt performer. So that, that took a while, which was great because I got a chance to train and I got a chance to know the community and be around more yeah um first job where I actually thought hmm I mean I'm, I'm <laughs> I assuming know. like I'm assuming it's I about like I I look at it this is me projecting again I mean that's what you do when you're an interviewer like me <laughs> totally. you just project just like, but like it's like it's sense. almost like I I have had moments in my life where I felt like I was I was chasing a, a feeling, you know, and I was preparing and I was preparing. Like when I launched Yvera Screen Scene, that yeah. was there was a year of preparing to launch to this like. podcast, and then to have the podcast. It's like I got that feeling. It's yeah. like I have arrived. I am home. I'm in my space. But it was a lot of work to kind of get to to that point, you know. And then I got that feeling. Yeah. So I think it would probably be for me then that feeling is would be the fall right after I got my sixth credit because as soon as there's a credit system to get into the union here so now I think you need three credits to get into the union but back then you needed six to be a full union member and right after I got my sixth credit I just got a whole bunch of jobs I just sort of took off yeah so I think that was that feeling of like oh my gosh I I can do this it's a, I can make a living at this I this could be my job and I still kept my security blanket job <laughs> at a bar for a while yeah but it was a like this this could work out if I keep training if I keep doing things if I keep learning and growing this could be my career yeah what are some qualities either personality traits or or also like skills <laughs> that that you feel that people need to really ha have a lasting career in stunts I mean I always tell people the more skills you have the better yeah and most so what people, skills are we talking about <laughs> what skills any athletic skills, like you know, gymnasts, martial artists, you know, there's licenses and you get get your motorcycle license, get your scuba license, um, go take a stunt driving course. Um, all those sorts of things are things you can add to, you know, in increase increase your viability as a stunt performer. So for me, yeah, anytime anyone asks, I think it's the more of those and other random skills and specialty things that you're really good at. Yeah. Um, you know, learn how to fight with weapons, learn how to fight with different weapons. Um, I, I was fortunate I grew up horseback riding, so I already did that. You know, as many 
random athletic skills as you can have, yeah. the more employable you are. Because you never know if you're doubling somebody on a show, you never know what they might end up having to do. Yeah. I'm just I'm smiling widely <laughs> because I'm I'm th- I'm also thinking about like the way that you and your husband Jeff Aro, who we will also have on the podcast at some time. Although when I've tried to get him in in the past or interview him, he always wants you. He's like, I'm not that interesting. I'm not. But the way that you guys spend your your free time, your play time is like we you know play. You go and play, and you are like you know playing with weapons and playing with vehicles, and it's mm-hmm. like. Do you have favorite things to to do? Like if you're like, ooh, that's going to be awesome, whether it's like a certain kind of sword fighting or a certain kind of fall or if it shows up in a script and you're like, yeah. Um, I mean, I enjoy the challenging, like hard hitting, but trying not to get hurt sort of stunts because that's, for me, I take that upon myself as a challenge to do ones that look super gnarly but yeah. don't hurt, but not hurt yourself. Um, so yeah, cool fun wire work because that's also a very intricate balance being able to perform on wires which I really enjoy and as far as play goes I mean I don't know I've recently my newest sport that I really love is trials mountain bike or dirt bike riding yeah Um, so it's like the seatless bikes that you can kind of climb rocks and climb things on That's my my latest kind of fun thing that I just started doing a couple of years ago that I really enjoy. (laughs) It's kind of like rock climbing because it's a a mental puzzle and you're moving slower, but you're still on a bike, which is really fun. I love you so much. Um, You just have such like a different way of seeing (laughs) the world than I do. I was obsessed with um, um, horseback archery. So I did a bunch of that. Like that's so fun. Um, like Merida. Yes. <laughs> who I might have stunt double. We might have stunt double. <laughs> might have stunt double. But I was doing the horseback archery and then she came on the show on yeah. this one time. And I was like, oh, I can do that. I can do all her stuff. That's so, I mean, it's also so cool to see. I mean, how Once Upon a Time was really like this leader, you know, in having like a real concentration of badass women as well. Because, like, you know, the, up until then there had been like a show here or a show there. You know, like there was Buffy and there was Xena. Mm-hmm. And like you're like, okay, those are the show. That's the one woman on that show. But like totally. then you, to have like all of this but concentration all the princesses of, were cool. Yeah. Like, all the princesses were kind of badass. Yeah. Which was fun. A lot different than the uh, Disney princesses that I grew up with. I mean, with the exception of Leia, although she wasn't a princess, uh, a Disney princess at the time. <laughs> at but, you know, like, who my daughter is growing up with, it's uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's Merida and it's Elsa, you know. And, um, I mean, she loves ones as well. Yeah. And then when she found out that that was you, <laughs> she thought that was the coolest. I went from being the coolest woman in her world and then you were. Um, I do. We are still the coolest woman in her world. Oh. Well, no, I know, as I say, flashbacks to this morning, she had other choice <laughs> words for me about my level of coolness. I do want to talk, we are going to talk a little bit about High Castle, and we mm. will spend a lot of time about the stories that uh, that you want to tell as a filmmaker okay. and a writer. But I, I think it's, uh, there, I would be remiss if we didn't bring up safety. Uh, mm-hmm. in the stunt world because that's something especially when we were talking about you know especially when people who are kind of on the outside of the industry looking in you know there's been a lot of talk about like are our sets safe and how safe are our our sets yeah. and you know can you tell me about like the kind of um well one how safe are our sets because it's a big part of what what you do and yeah. to the kind of the machinery that's in play you know both like with um f- from all different levels of production that go into making sure that you know that our our sets are safe and that stunts are safe yeah i mean 
I'll just start that with saying we're we are doing really risky things. There's a reason why there's those don't try the stunt at home. We're doing really risky things. Stunts are risky, but we're doing it in a controlled environment. It's right. been planned out. It's been thought about. You know, as a stunt coordinator, I sometimes joke that my job is essentially to be the worst say worst case scenario person. <laughs> so I think of like what is the worst case scenario that could happen here? What yeah. if if everything hit the fan, you know, if everything went wrong, what would be our outcome? Like if we're like if everything went terribly wrong, are we gonna kill someone? If everything went terribly wrong, how badly is someone gonna get hurt? Like I, yeah. I have to assess all those things and think what is the worst case scenario and how and then how to mitigate that right so like for instance like away from that worst case scenario and still achieve a really cool stunt yeah so i and i just remembered while you're talking like there's that that's that stunt that you did in the third season of man in the high castle where which was the burning monk Mm -hmm. uh stunt which was i which you you lit your husband on fire (laughs) you know but i remember talking to you guys on it i mean it's it is so it's i actually i'll put a, a link to the article I wrote about it for the courier in the footnotes for this episode. But what I what's so cool about it is that yes, you, you all the preparation to go into yes, this is all about making a cool stunt, but then you had like all of these people on standby, you know, yeah. as if he was going to be, go up in flames yeah. in a way that would be damaging to well, his, you know, like that. Like yeah, you think of those worst case scenarios. So I had an ambulance. 20 feet away from where he was performing that stunt. Yeah. If anything went sideways, I had ambulance attendants on him right away. Um, I had fire safety guys right there. We had, you know, everything like that. You think of in a stunt like that. Yeah. What is the worst case scenario and how do I make it safe? Yeah. So, I, and I think... But you had faith. Like, you have faith, faith that oh, it's going to... <laughs> That's why I wanted him to do it, because I know that he's going to be chill. He's not going to freak out. Yeah. He's not going to panic, because that's the worst thing you can do in that situation is panic or yeah anything like that so I knew that he was going to be calm and for me as a stunt coordinator like in those situations I have to be the calmest person on set yeah if anyone sees a stunt if you ever see a stunt coordinator freaking out something is going seriously wrong yeah if you see a stunt coordinator yelling and panicking and freaking out like that's a bad situation that you never want to be in now, the stunt coordinator then, like as the stunt coordinator, who are you working with to make sure that the that the set that the stunts that you're doing are safe? So many people. I mean, High Castle, fortunately, we had a safety liaison, so I could always run everything by them, and they'd double check all my paperwork and double check and put in any additional recommendations that they thought. But for something like that, like I have to work with the locations department, and you know, we're booking ambulances with locations and ads, and I'm talking to the producers and saying, you know, these are the costs associated with this, but these are the things we need to make this safe. Yeah. We have to have these things or we're not doing this stunt. And, you know, it's, so it's a lot of people that I'm working with to coordinate that. Um, yeah. I'm coordinating with the special effects department because they're doing some of the fire. Um, yeah, everybody. You pretty much are coordinating with every department. So if that. something goes wrong, if something, like if, if you know, I, I if if so, so we read something in the news that something has gone wrong, that's I mean there have been a few. There have been high profile ones in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. There have been in this you know throughout the states as well. Like what has gone wrong then? Does it mean that like one part like it, is it often a like a something that couldn't have been seen or is it somebody cutting a corner? I mean, none of those knock on wood sets that have. I'm also knocking wood. I've been on fortunately, yeah. so I don't. 
I can't speak exactly to what may have gone wrong there. We can speculate, but I don't think speculating is necessarily healthy for the community. Yeah. No, but when you like, if, so if I think you, I think you hear something. about something, like what what is your first response? I mean, obviously, you're, yeah, you're super sad, and you want to kind of know what happened so that we cannot repeat it again. Yeah. You know, anytime someone gets hurt, I mean, fortunately in our community, we do share a lot of that knowledge. If someone gets hurt, if something goes kind of wrong, we share it with each other because we don't want anyone else to get hurt. Yeah. Um, so that's a really awesome thing about our community here in Vancouver is we do share a lot of that where it's like, oh, hey, like we had an issue like a year or so ago and someone had ordered a harness and it wasn't, you know, and nobody wanted to blame the performer. It wasn't their fault. Fortunately, they weren't hanging up high, but the harness ripped mm. and it wasn't a proper, it wasn't from one of the reputable harness making companies. So everyone shared it and was like, make sure that if you're getting a harness, you're getting it from a proper company. No one wants anyone to get hurt. Like this could have been bad if they were at height. Fortunately, they weren't. Yeah. But please make sure everyone looks at their harnesses and does not have a knockoff harness. It's your lifeline. Yeah. So everyone shared that information, which was awesome. And I think anytime we have sort of an injury or something like that on set, um, our community is quite good about sharing it. We have a Facebook, a community Facebook page. We have our, our local stunt list where we share, which is actually Canada wide. Yeah. So that information is getting shared Canada wide if there's an instance which I think is really great. Yeah. That's the way we're trying to keep each other safer. Yeah. Um, I also know that you are were able to kind of combine your passion for fashion <laughs> and stunts and innovation in, d didn't you build some kind of harness bra or something <laughs> that was you won an award for from Women in Film a few years ago, right? You won the Innovation Award. I did, yes. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, well, I was I had a predicament where I had a, a, it was Princess Jasmine who, as we all know, wears a, basically a bra top and belly, you know, bare belly, and harem pants, and I had to throw her across a room, um, and I knew that if I only picked her from her waist, it would be really dangerous for the performer. Mm. Um, and each, you know, there's a good chance she would just hit her head, and it would be really bad. So I didn't want to do that to the performer. So I was trying to find a, p a way that I could have a higher pick point on her back as well and spread spread the weight and also make it work with her costume. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I preempted this. I was like, I went into the costume department earlier. I was like, so are we dressing Princess Jasmine? It was one of the first times we had Princess Jasmine on the show. So I was like, are we dressing her kind of like the cartoon? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah, totally. I'm like, great. Can we talk? Because <laughs> <laughs> she has to do this wire pull. So like, literally the place where you would need to put the wire is would have been all bare. All bare. Yeah. All bare. Like, yeah, for a, a nice throw like that to be gentle, to, you know, to be nicer to the performer and not just throw them backwards on their head or backward right onto their tailbone Ugh. on the ground. Um, yeah, you kind of want that in their back, which is a point that doesn't have any fabric covering it, mm -hmm. which makes it really hard to hide a harness. Um, so I went to them and I was like, hey, like, I have this idea. C could you guys work with me on it? You know, I know I can sew, I have industrial sewing machines, so I can properly bar tack things and make them safe. Could we work together and, and make this work in the costume? Yeah. So, you know, they were awesome. They gave me bras to build off of, and I just went home and I started building, and I tested it on myself first mm -hmm. to make sure that it was safe and it could hold weight. So I had my husband pulling me across our living room in this bra. Oh, and just, they don't, <laughs> they don't have a normal, we're not talking about a normal living room. No. Like, you pretty much, like, your dream home's a stunt facility. It is. And we have a sprung, well, yeah. Had. 
a sprung floor and we had a we're having trouble with tenses because the the house did it It burnt burnt down down and they're rebuilding now it will exist again in version 2.0 yeah but when i was doing that we had this awesome living room we had a big sprung floor we had a wire set up so we could test stuff so that's quite often what we do we're like in theory this should work but let's mean before for me before I put somebody else in something I want to make sure that a it's not gonna hurt doesn't hurt yeah because you know sometimes those harnesses it was a thin it was basically a bra with pick points on it Ugh. I had to make sure it would tighten up properly and not loosen and that I had all the sa- good safety buckles on it so as much as it wasn't rated by a company I felt comfortable rating it for what we were doing yeah I actually wore it again this year this spring I used it oh really <laughs> I might okay have used it on the Nancy Drew pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yes. well, that is a very so I, that is I a very deep cut Easter egg for for yes. people who watch that. I, I wore it myself, um, but uh, yeah, Nilo Gajar was the performer that that used it on Once Upon a Time, so she was the first person to use my my harness that I built. Yeah, did you give it a name? Is it called like the Maya no, or the Aro? Just called it the bra. Harness. <laughs> the bra <laughs> harness. Okay, see, and then this is something we need to I workshop know. a little I bit. Know. <laughs> necessity. I built it out of necessity, not out of trying to change the world. Yeah. Oh, but (laughs) necessity breeds invention, and invention should have cool names. I just, I don't know. We'll we'll think. It could be the Jasmine, maybe. I don't know. Oh. I I don't know. If I invent something that's winning awards, I'm naming it after myself, okay? I don't know. We could just name it after. Oh, my God. This is so the psychology (laughs) of the the scent artist. We just name it after what it was first used for. So, okay. Man in the High Castle, uh, in in the timeline of this recording of this podcast, it just dumped, it, d- the whole fourth and final season fourth dumped on final. Friday. I haven't watched it yet. Okay. No spoilers. Okay. Um, but <laughs> well, that's hard. I, well, I'm yeah. actually allowed to talk about it now. No, and I, I won't talk. I won't I give know, you spoilers. I know, but shh, no. I can give you unspoilery answers. Unspoilery answers. Well, I mean, because like also, I feel like, with a binge show like that, you can't expect people to watch in the first weekend. No, like, I feel like give deep. them like three months. I haven't. I've. I mean, I've skimmed through the episodes, but it. I want to watch them. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of information to take in. There's so many beautiful things to look at. There's a lot going on with all the characters, and this season especially, there's a lot going on with the characters. Well, I want to savor you it have too. To, yeah, you have to take the time to and watch it. It's not as much as you can binge it. Binge it. You can't. I think it's a show that you want to like slow burn binge. Yeah, that's why I'm th- I'm thinking that's going to be one of my my Christmas holiday binges for sure. Yeah, like I foresee take myself a couple days to watch it. Yeah, rum and coconut eggnog and uh, and uh, the biggest blanket I have and and to watch. But you know, it yeah. was the final season. It was the final season. And and so like, how do you think your experience? on Man in the High Castle changed you as as a stunt artist, as a stunt coordinator, and as a storyteller in general? Well, I mean, huge. I mean, it was one of the best professional experiences I've had. I, I was fortunate enough to have worked on the show since the beginning. I doubled Alexa Davalos from the beginning, who plays Juliana Crane. So I've worked on the show since season one. Um, I started coordinating it in season three, so I coordinated season three and four, but I've always been involved in the show. Yeah. Um, and just the fact that the creatives believed in me and gave me the opportunity to coordinate the show was huge in its own. In the final season, they also gave me the opportunity to shadow. Um, I got to shadow Fred Toy. Wow. He was a phenomenal man. Very talented, very kind, very generous. Um, and same, the, the sort of pseudo showrunner Dan Percival also took me under his wing and it just gave me so much mentorship and advice and kindness. So, like, Dan's one of my heroes. He is 
a phenomenal human being. He's so creative. He understands every process of filmmaking. He's yeah. made films forever. He's written. He's directed. He's produced. He's um, so being around those sorts of people, and even just the caliber of talent with the other heads of department. Yeah. When I started coordinating season three, I'm like, I'm a little kid, and these are some of the most talented people in the industry that are working on this show. I mean, I can imagine. And I'm sitting in the same room having meetings with them. The the cost, like as somebody who's like just strictly a fan, you know, looking at the 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 costumes, the beadwork, oh, the the, the, the hair, production the makeup, design, the my God. Drew, yeah, Drew Rotten, like, his production design is exquisite. Like, Ch- he, the, the Smith's apartment. Oh, if you walk on that set, like, it had wow. marble floors. It had, you know, <laughs> everything, of every detail, like, the screw heads, the, you'd look in a room and, like, you'd been in a room five, like, ten times, and you're like, oh, my God, I didn't realize that detail. And, and I mean, like, some people don't know, but like the tiling in their kitchen floor that I don't think you ever really saw on camera, it was in the swastika patterns. What? And like, you know, it, it's disturbing and super fucked up that we had that, but it was the heart and breath of the show. You, yeah. It was that world. Yeah. As sick and disturbing as we all find it, which, but they destroyed everything in the show. I know. Chayla <laughs> just posted that incredible oh, yeah. vi- video of, of this, which I've watched which many awesome. times. It's it's a, one of the patches, and you yeah, see it's cutting very, it up. They cut it and up, like, and then there's the burn pile. big bins filled, and you know, yeah, so and everything so, was destroyed, which is awesome because I know that was a little. There was some people trying to get paraphernalia. And you're like, no, yeah, no, no, it's not cool. Yeah, it's, I mean, showing that alternate reality and making people think, I think, is f- awesome. But to actually enjoy it, and you're like, it's not cool. Yeah. It's really not cool. Now, you had um, on the show as well, you had some pretty nuanced bad characters like as like like we we get to see like We're different kind of people in real life yeah that's what i was gonna <laughs> ask you know because like we see like the the different like i'm, I'm always nervous to interview like look when, at rufus sewell the same after i've watched him devour a plate of waffles <laughs> and tell a story a phenomenal story while doing so oh that's but i you know the, these are these people who are these big bad guys but they're not they're acting yeah they're great actors yeah what i love too is is the um like listeners to this podcast well we've we've featured a few people from uh high castle as well we've had peter shinkoto we've had mayumi oshida we've had hiro kanagawa um and what i love too are all of the um and i've interviewed lee shorten as well Mm -hmm. and we're gonna get him into the studio as well but all of the uh oh and shayla as well yeah but like all of the short works or the new the new independent works that have come from this cast getting to know each other and then creating work. And so I understand that um, you recently uh, went to camera with uh, your latest uh, independent work and mm. you featured some uh, High Castle I alumni did. as well. Tell us I, about I, that, I got Maya. the great pleasure of putting Joel and Chayla on camera together for the first time. I can't never believe that. Together. Wow. So as a director and just as a friend of both of theirs, it yeah. was such a treat to have them. I'm so glad they said yes to the project. And then, yeah, just to be able to have them on screen together. Yeah, now were they playing Helen and Keto kind of characters at all? Not or? at all. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I mean, I can't. Yeah, don't spoil her. We're edit- we're, we just finished filming, so we're, we're in the editing process right now. We're in post. Um, 
but no, very contrasting characters. Okay. I think that we're going to take a break right now. I think this is a perfect opportunity to take a break. Eat donuts? Uh, and y- you could have been eating the whole time. I did a whole... Drinking. I did a whole... I did an episode with Adrian Petro where he brought babka and we ate babka for the episode and we took turns speaking. Donuts. That's right. You should have been eating them. I should have. I was trying to be quiet. No, no, you don't have to be. We have ASMR listeners. People in here... The people <laughs> love that stuff. Yeah, chewing and swallowing, and that's a whole thing. That is a whole rabbit hole. You can do- go yeah. down the internet. Well, anyway, when we come back, we are going to talk about storytelling, uh, and specifically the kind of stories, and granted, you can't tell us about the one you just went to camera with, but the kind of stories that you want to tell as you move further into that role as a filmmaker and also a graphic novelist. Although, I, I if I remember correctly, that graphic novel represents an entire universe you want to tell in all sorts of different forms. That one's going to be a multimedia. That will be a movie someday. Yes, yes, it will. Okay, how's that for a cliffhanger? Let's take that break. Some people claim that Vancouver is a no-fun city, but anyone who says this has clearly not attended Liquid Amber Tattoo and Art Collective's monthly art socials because these events are crazy fun and bring artists and art lovers together in one gorgeous space. Liquid Amber Tattoo is located in a stunning three-story brick building in historic Gastown. Since 2001, Liquid Amber's artists have been providing custom and cosmetic tattoos to satisfied Vancouverites and out-of-towners. The studio is health board approved, it's spotless, and the artists are consummate professionals. And there is always stellar artwork by local artists on the walls. Which brings us to Liquid Amber Tattoo and Art Collective's signature event, The Art Social. On the last Friday of every month, Liquid Amber closes up early and the studio becomes an after-hours hive of creative energy. A vibrant, pulsating event space where artists show and sell their creations to art lovers and everyone is sipping wine and beer and having one hell of a good time. And right now, Liquid Amber Tattoo is on the lookout for art that's been created by artists who work in the film industry or that's been inspired by the film industry in some way. Is that you? Learn how you can submit your work to the 2020 Showcase and be part of future art socials on the Liquid Amber website. Liquid Amber Tattoo and Art Collective is located at 62 Powell Street in Vancouver. For more information about the studio and the monthly art socials and to submit to the 2020 Film Art Showcase, visit liquidambertattoo.com. That's liquidambertattoo.com. Okay, so I was uh, on set when you went to camera on Hoods, which was a, a short film that was like a steampunk alternate reality take uh, on Little Red Riding Hood and other characters. Um, and I don't know, is that is that film available? Is that out in the... In the, I should put it somewhere. Yeah, in the in the <laughs> in the Netherlands of the internet, so people I can go and enjoy film it. Festivals, and then yeah. Now it's just sort of waiting because I, I want to do more with it. I yeah. want to do more with that world. That was always the plan. Yeah, you had Gabrielle Rose uh, mm-hmm. playing. Yeah, no, but but Gabrielle Rose's she was character. Robin Hood. She was Robin Hood and mm. very badass. And yeah, Alex Ponovic plays very mean man in it. <laughs> he uh, played Frederick Wolf. Wolf. And uh, and then um, and we had uh, Eva Bourne. Yeah, she was, was so good. 
And you know what's so amazing is that I remember, I so that was the weekend. Um, I I was there for like two days of filming. I slept in your closet. <laughs> I felt like Harry Potter because to sleep in Maya's closet, <laughs> it was I was surrounded by all of this like incredible shoes and clothes, and it's a uh, it was like the Harry Potter. That's what Jeff called me, Harriet Potter, because I was Potter like, um, but like you had like you know twenty five people or something sleeping in your your I house. The whole crew and, stayed over. Yeah, and you had built a. <laughs> A set in the in your Which in your basement. I remember needed. that you were like you were sewing on your industrial you know sewing machine. Mm-hmm. Like you were involved costumes. in every aspect of production. Mm-hmm. But like to see you in your element there, like at the eye of a storm in a lot of ways. But it was so calm. You know, you definitely seem to be in your in your element. So I feel like when I'm in a creative space like that, like that that is my element. I could just live there I could live in that space and in that feeling forever yeah so what is a what is a Maya Aro film what is a Maya Aro film you know because like there was I also mean, the film you made with Ian Tracy as well yeah. and I mean I even remembering you did a run and gun film it you did. know with yeah, the uh, very first year that run and gun did films we did yeah. with Luvia with Luvia and Rob Compton were our leads in that that one we actually tried to shoot we shot it was a wonder. Yeah, our, our whole film was a wonder. Um, it was about somebody who thinks that they have been uh, drugged, drugged at a club, and it like the time it takes to get to like get help, get, get out help of there, and get out of there. And then the punchline was she actually wasn't drugged. The guy beside her was just putting Alka-Seltzer in his drink. Oh, <laughs> yes, of course, I remember. <laughs> so that was the punchline of that. So we were trying to show that that panic, that like oh, and but what goes through your body and your mind when you're like oh shit. I don't have much time. Yeah. I'm alone. How do I get help? Yeah. So, but that, that film also, I mean, it was stylish. It had a lot of energy. So there was like, there was definitely like something that I identify as what a Maya Aro film is. But I'm interested <laughs> well, I'm in like, what is... Think what you think of Maya Aro yeah. <laughs> I think for me is like, I mean, oh, kicks. Um, sugar. <laughs> sugar <laughs> oh, makes, the baby likes sugar. Sugar makes Jude kick. <laughs> Jude Rebel Aro. Yep. That's the dude's name. Yeah. Um, sorry, I got distracted. Um, I think for me, because I've grown up and my film education doesn't come from film school. It's come from books that I've read and it's come from just being on set and, you know, in the last four or five years as a coordinator, being in all the production meetings and, and watching that process. Yeah. And watching how things go from the page to the screen. Um, that's been my film education. So for me, I always dream and think really big. And I know most of you filmmakers tell you not to do that. But for me, I'm like, I like a stylized look. I like a specific camera style. I like, I like big visual worlds. I mm. like you to see all the details. Like I like detail. I'm a detail person. So I'm oh like, my I gosh, like the details. posters in hoods I remember, <laughs> like the, on the walls. Yeah, yeah. And we had yeah, we had torn posters that we had plastered down the, the walls of, of a down a, an alleyway. I'm like those sorts of things to me. Those make a film as much as acting and performance. I mean, those are. But if all those details are missing, yeah. Even if your performance is amazing, it's just it, it'll always feel like something's missing. Yeah. So for me, those are really details are important. Hence, building I guess a, a hotel room and hallway, a period piece or alternate period. Okay, it was like a 1940s steampunk yeah, it was, flavor. It was like a diesel punky flavor, so it had that little slight off kilter from our world, but most everything's still very familiar. Yeah. So you, you built that in your 
in yeah. your basement. So we custom made all the costumes for that film. Yeah. We built sets. We, you know, rented period vehicles. Um, found a few exterior locations in Vancouver and Gastown that were still cobblestone and still had yeah. that look and feel. So yeah, it was for that for me for that one was it was all about the details yeah. and the performances, getting those great performances and having all those intricate little details that really pulled the world together. Yeah, there. One I know that like a lot of times and it, like if I remember correctly, I spoke to Alex about this as well. Like those kind of details, they they're nothing but a help to the performers, you know, yeah, about helping them even further immerse them. You have your things that yeah. are your things. Yeah. And you can't yeah. tell us anything about your, like, so is, well, so I like, can you tell us the genre? Okay, a little it's bit. A it's a, it's a, it's a psychological drama, I think. Okay. I don't want to say it's a thriller because it's not a thriller. It's a, it, but it really it gets under the skin of the psychoses and it and it's about the mistreatment of women throughout in the time period it's set in the 80s um oh okay yeah, and it's actually shot interview style so the most scariest part for me on this i love widescreen like mm. i've said i've loved the scope i love seeing the world um i'm probably going to release this in a smaller in a, like a three four aspect ratio because that was the because that was the period the time period i want to yeah. be true to the time period um and I also shot, we shot it on older cameras, so it already has a bit of a grain. I almost shot it on film. I wanted to shoot it on film. Um, that just didn't work out. Yeah. But we still shot an old fit camera, so it already has that grain. We'll be obviously adding more in post as needed, but it already has that out of the camera. We shot it that way on purpose. Um, we shot some outside scenes that aren't part of, the, it's, it's basically an interview, playing out an interview okay. with two women, telling their story. Um, but anything that's not part of the interview, we did shoot on a red. So the footage will be different. Okay. It'll have a different feel. Um, but yeah, that sort of, so that was, that I was love scary how careful you're being. As you're an artist, holding it to as you. As an artist, that was, yeah, that was fun and scary at the same yeah. time. Because I'm like, I'm constraining myself. And and I'm, there's still details, you know, there's, we still got great props and great things that lend to the period costumes as well that, are very period appropriate and makeup all that but we really I really wanted it to feel smaller you know not what smaller but just more contained more intimate yeah more intimate it's 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 really about these women telling their story yeah and I wanted it to be about that not about everything else oh, wow. which was different for me as a filmmaker and I think that's the biggest thing I like as a filmmaker is all my films are very different. Yeah, so that's and the I Maya like Ara trying, thing. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've never made an action film, and that's been a deliberate choice. Mm. I will make action films someday. Yeah. But as a starting out indie filmmaker, I've made a very deliberate choice to not make action films. Yeah. Because for me, that feels too easy. <laughs> <laughs> I like to challenge myself, so I've made a very it's deliberate like choice. It's like for a lot of people, <laughs> that's like the hardest thing. So you're learning, you're doing all this other stuff and then you're gonna bring it all together. Yeah, like I wanna tell a story, I wanna develop characters and I wanna show that I can do that and create a world, create worlds, because they're all different. Um, but then, yeah, someday I'll do an action film. Yeah, you will, uh, <laughs> and I'll be there. Uh, Amazon, yeah. Amazon will be an action film. Yeah, I, I do, I know that you spent a uh, a bunch of time recently with one of our mutual heroes, Rachel Talalay, yeah. Tank Girl, Doctor Who, many <laughs> horror films, lots of incredible episodic television. Directed a night 
Friday with Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. So, t- so g- can you tell me what you learned uh, collaborating with Rachel on that most recent project? Yeah. I mean, just more. Every director I watch, I learn from. I learn yeah. from their style, and I learn from what works, and I learn watching how they interact with people and how they decision make. Um, and for her, I mean, we got along really, really well. It was great. Um, I, I sort of learned her style and learned how she wanted to be presented things. Because for me, I mean, I'm just a service provider in this situation. I'm providing the stunt service. Yeah. So I'm reading the script. I'm bringing it down. I'm imagining it how I envision it. But at the same time, it's not my vision. Right. So I have to say, well, here's sort of what I was thinking. Is this what you want? <laughs> Yeah. And, then, you know, and then you go through meetings too and you get to know the tone that they're actually going for because you could make you know you could have the same script and make 10 different movies or more that would be they'd all be completely different depending on the tone the style the look that you went with yeah so I was trying to figure out that very early on so we fortunately they brought me on very early on that show which is very strange very very rare <laughs> <It's not laughs> to get brought on a film so early um, but awesome for me because I got to be involved with Rachel with her as she was discovering her vision and as she was sort of breaking that through um and same with, with developing the characters because they were their action characters yeah or, i mean it's not the hugest action film ever we're not it's not avengers it's not one of these big superhero films it's everyday teenagers who are awesome and badass yeah so we wanted there we wanted she really wanted there to be a realism with the characters so yeah. a lot of stuff i was like well girls could actually like i've got girls that can do this practically for real so every time pitch that she was like yes yes the girls can do it like it's real it's believable because they're actually doing it yeah we're not on wires we're not cheating it we're not making them like superheroes we're doing stuff that anyone could do yeah so and that was really important to her was that these girls are real they're yeah. doing stuff that you know any young girl watching it could be inspired and be like hey if i go and trained a little i could do that yeah and so that was a really important thing for her was that all the action had a real feel. We had we had one or two little moments in the film where we suspend disbelief a little, but those were very stylized moments. I can't say much. <laughs> no, you're doing a good so job. We, you're doing a good job of answering the question there was without saying too much. Moments, but for the most part, everything was really real. Yeah, and the girls did it, and the actors did a lot of it themselves too. Like they came out. We had I had great training sessions with them. Fortunately, they gave me a few weeks with the actors before we went to camera. Wow, it was like a luxury. It was like a luxurious situation a for film. you. Feature films, we usually get that training time, which was great. So I, I had the actors every day. I'd get them for a few hours to do yeah. stunt training. And then do you have a preference? Feature film versus television? <laughs> I know I'm just keeping my voice down. Like, if, if you work, if you like to... I mean, they're both <laughs> very different. Like, features, again, yeah, you get that time at the beginning where you get more prep before you go, into, go to camera. You get to spend that time in... Yeah, I got to develop skills with the girls on this. TV's a little faster paced, whereas you'll get a bit of prep time at the beginning of the show, but you might not know all the action those characters have to do in some of the later mm. episodes because you haven't got them yet. Right. So you're, you know, you can do some of that, you know, athletic training and prep with them, but you might not know exactly what they have to do. Like High Castle last season, I think around episode seven, I started sending one of the actors. She was in L.A., so I was sending her to a trainer down there to start working on some skills that I knew she was going to need in episode nine. Um, Thank you for not being too specific. <laughs> I yeah, appreciate of that. Of course. My non-spoiler <laughs> answer is... One of the actors in L.A., she. Those are the only clues you're getting. Those are the only clues you're getting. Yeah. 
Um, but so yeah, in TV, it's a lot quicker, which I do like that pace. I like the pace where like you have to make a decision. Yeah, I have to present you with something, and I have to present you with a couple options, and we just have to move forward. Yeah. Whereas in a film, there's a little bit more time to think about it, which is a luxury, which is nice. Uh, and you're and you're doing a longer period on the same script. Yeah. So you're working on the same script for, for a long time, which is quite fun. Um, I guess I've done more TV in the last last year or two. I've done more features. Yeah. Like I did Good Boys last year, and I did a really fun one, Coffee and Cream, this spring. Um, That's another so comedy, right? It's another comedy. Yeah, it's Ed Helms and Taraji Hansen. It's going wow. To be hilarious. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I can't wait Betty, for that. I'm Betty Gilpin as well. I actually doubled Betty for a few of the stunt scenes on that. That's amazing. That one's going to be funny. I just, you know, <laughs> My stomach what hurt on that film. Yeah, I I bet and well, I mean, and now you you have physically changed as well as you are you're percolating. Jude worked on that movie too. <laughs> yeah. You didn't know for part of it, right? Yeah, he did his first car. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. I just not what recommended if you're pregnant. Well, you didn't He's know. Fine. I didn't know in my defense. Yeah. <laughs> I just I find it interesting like you might end up with I mean a uh, a uh, kid who isn't interested in stunts oh, we joke. He's at all. A math nerd. Yeah. A math nerd. <laughs> but like what what happens? Which I'll have to get Rachel to help him because she's actually a genius. A yeah. genius. Yeah. Like she went to school for mathematics and is extremely smart. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. I'd be like I'm calling you if my kid's a math nerd because <laughs> you're so much better at that she than me. She loves it and her brain works oh, that her way brain too. Works. She's so smart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm a, I'm a fan. I didn't realize at first because I didn't know that side of her. And I was like, wow, she's really good at all these mathematical equations and all these things at work. And then I looked at I was like, oh. You're like, oh, right. Oh, right. She yeah. went to university for that. Yeah. 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 She's, got a, she's got a big degree from she's a, got a big, degree from big a American big, university. Uh, big American university. Yeah. yeah. So um, like, hmm. But what happens if, if down the road, you know, Jude comes to you and he's like, ma, I want to go into stunts. Like, what kind of advice, you know, would you would you give him? And is this a is this a career that you? I mean, and frankly, I ask this of actors yeah. as well, and anybody coming through here. Like, is this a career that you would recommend to your kid? I mean, yeah, if he if if it's what they want to do. Yeah, I, I don't ever want to force it on them. Yeah, um, but if it's genuinely something he wants to do, I would make him work for it. Like, I would tell any other new stunt performer that you know these are the steps you have to do these are the skills you should acquire yeah this is what you should be doing um but i wouldn't if it's something he genuinely wanted to do i would not discourage him from it yeah because i i know personally how fulfilling of a job it can be so who am i to say no you you shouldn't do that yeah like it doesn't doesn't make me nervous if that's something he wanted to do yeah i i know the parameters of the job and i know the safety aspects of it um so if it was something i would I would tell him, just like I would tell anybody else. Yeah, the thing I can't see you getting nervous about it <laughs> very much. I lit my husband on fire. It doesn't, it doesn't really bother me. <laughs> that's uh, that's one thing that I can guarantee. We've done what fifty five episodes of the YVR Screen Scene podcast, and nobody has talked about lighting there. Well, I think you usually go to jail for it. Yeah, <laughs> but not in your case. Not you in were, my case. Yeah. Um, do you still have or? Do, those like what the fuck I can't believe this is actually my life moments yeah so when did totally. all this happen for you I mean I've got to work with some phenomenal people like I've got to work with people that I watched on TV when I was a kid and you're yeah. like, what the fuck? <laughs> like the same way with them we're like I'm doubling someone so like I used to double Ali Shidi I'm like fuck, I'm doubling Ali Shidi yeah. 
like random moments like that or I've doubled some people that I didn't really know who they were but Jeff was a big fan he's like oh my god you're doubling that chick yeah um or and even just working with people that you look up to like the fact that I just got to work with Rachel like I'll nerd out Tank Girl was one of my favorite movies when I was in, when I was younger I loved it it was an awesome female character and yes it's a silly movie and it's ridiculous but it's fun yeah it's a fun ridiculous movie that doesn't take itself seriously yeah and the lead character is fucking awesome yeah i mean and at the time it was also an outlier we didn't have those we no. did not get to see women portrayed like that you and know the fact that i now got to ask rachel some of the details about it was really really cool yeah and she still has one of the bras i know <laughs> i know i was in the movie but you know to, so to get to work with someone like that that yeah I have thought was cool since I was young yeah those are moments where you're like wow I'm sitting in a room and I'm pitching creative ideas to this person and they're actually you know we're having a conversation about it and they're listening they're listening and genuinely taking in my ideas and and then you know once you'd be super stoked with stuff you're like wow this is so cool right you're like getting to work with people like that yeah and then that realization that fuck like i have something to we're all just humans yeah Yeah. all just humans and and that's a cool thing about this world like i've had other people that i've got to bring in and hire who are people from the competitive athletic industry that i admire and i've gotten to hire those people yeah as a coordinator which you're like i'm a big fan of yours and now i'm your boss this is so weird that's awesome like that's been cool moments too where you're like you get to bring in people that you admire and I think that's such a weird thing about this industry is you get to work with people like that and you get to you know I get some of these competitive top athletes that I've been able to pull in and and have work for me I guess or work with me like that's so so cool that is so so cool and I I feel very grateful that I got to bring you in today and you're one of the <laughs> coolest human beings that I know and you will have to come back because I want to hear well I guess you, Jeff won't come back without me so. you gotta bring Jeff you gotta bring Jude <laughs> I'll be Jeff's sidekick yeah I'll actually interview Jeff and I'll just be here for moral support yeah I'll tell him that it's an interview for the two of you but I you just know. don't really talk yeah <laughs> no, I want to hear what you have to say too. I love. How I've interviewed the two of you together. It is so rad, Maya. It has been a pleasure. Where can our listeners find you on the social media? On the social media, I mean, I I, I am on the Twitter, but I don't really do the tweeting that often anymore. Yeah, I noticed like, that. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> but I think my Twitter is Maya Aro, and my Instagram is Maya Aro Stunts, and it's Maya with a J. M-A-J-A. Yeah, I uh, I thought your name was Maja when I first met you. Okay. Yeah, because uh, I had been I had been texting with Darren Shlavi about you, and so he said, or he texted M-A-J-A, and I was like, on the drive there, I was like, yeah, is it Maya or Maja? (laughs) Guess we'll find out. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and to our listeners, we thank you. And we ask you to like and subscribe. Leave us a review if you are so inclined. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Scene. And you can learn how you can join our Patreon community and receive exclusive content and cool swag at patreon.com slash podcast. The Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, 
Sabrina Firminger. And it's edited by Simon Firminger. We give special thanks to Tyson Brodick and Paul Firminger with Family Business for technical support and to Dane Develay for the original music. YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut!